we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. God, we gather here uh, to be in your presence. Uh, We come here for fellowship with one another. Uh, We come to hear and be a part of great music, God, but it's really all about you. And we're about to open up your word. Uh, There are people here in this building. There are people online, true worth. We are scattered about, God, but we are one. And we're united in our desire to have you speak something to each of us. So we ask you to do that. And God, I ask in the doing so, great I am, that you will touch a heart. You'll begin the healing of a soul, of a marriage, of a family. You will set a prisoner free from addiction and from fear. I pray, oh great I am am that you will have your way with us through your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Man, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Thanks for joining us. I know I saw some folks again this morning who are coming back. It seemed like every week there's some folks who are finally feeling comfortable and coming back from COVID or maybe even some folks that are looking for a church home. We know during the summertime people move, they migrate to different places and you go, man, I need to find a place to worship. And there are a lot of places and uh, we're just grateful that you chose to include us as a part of your search and we hope that God leads you here. But if not, uh, I trust that God will help you find some place. And maybe somebody's here tonight, you don't even really, tomorrow, you don't even want to be here. Uh, you're not really sure about church, not even sure if you believe in God. Uh, but for some reason or another, uh, you're here. And uh, I hope that maybe you feel welcome and feel safe and kind of resting with all the stuff going on in, in your life right now and this whole thing called faith. Uh, we're in the middle of a series, we're calling uh, What the Bible Doesn't Say. And we're talking about things that people think God said, about things that people think are in the Bible, but they're not actually in the Bible. And that's kind of where we're wrestling. And we're talking about this morning, the classic thing. Now, we all know of somebody who's coming through a time in life, they're experiencing trouble in their life. They're experiencing hardship. Maybe they're having a hard time at work. They're having a hard time in their family. Maybe their financial health, their physical health is really all out of kilter. And when you come across somebody like that, you know, I always want to help them. Now, I want to know what to say to kind of encourage them because I would like to be encouraged, so I want to encourage them. And so sometimes, you know, with the the good sense of spirit, somebody will say, well, you know, God just, he he won't give you any more than you can handle. You can do it. Suck it up. You can cope. Because I promise the Bible says, I mean, the Bible says, the Bible says, God won't give you more than you can handle, so you can do it. The problem is, the Bible doesn't say that. And some folks don't find that very helpful when we say that. The truth of the matter is this Bible is full of people, full of people, full of stories of people who really struggle to handle things that happen to them. I mean, just take the obvious fact, this thing called death. Did you know that death, death is actually something we experience because our body can't handle something? And think about some of the stories in the Bible. I mean, you wouldn't go up to Abel and you'd say, hey, Abel, Abel, don't worry about your brother Cain because God won't give you any more than you can handle. 
Oops. <laughs> Sorry about that. Misspoke there, didn't we? Uh, hey, hey, Uriah the Hittite, hey, pay no mind to, to your wife uh, kind of hanging out, you know, with uh, Bathsheba, uh, Bathsheba, with David, King David and Bathsheba. Hey, don't worry about that because God won't give you. Oh, the rest of the story going, oh, well, maybe, maybe not. Or, or how, how about John the Baptist? John the Baptist, hey, don't pay any attention to Herod and that machete. It won't. God. See, the, the, the Bible is full of stories of people. Who just, it's full of it. I mean, starting with Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross suffering this sense of just so much weight upon him. And then his disciples. His disciples who take up the cause after Jesus dies. He's resurrected into heaven. The disciples, they are arrested. They are beaten. And the scriptures put it this way right here over in Acts chapter 5. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And then the apostle Paul, when he saw, he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus says to him, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Wow, more than he could really handle. And then over here in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, I think one of the most inspiring chapters in the Bible, just an incredible inspiring chapter of people, real people. These are not fictitious people. This is not fairy tale. This is people like you and me. This is what they experienced in their life. Uh, Beginning at verse 35, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers, flogging, chains, imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The scripture says the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And I promise you, nobody came up to him and said, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. This book is full of stories of people just like you and me who had trouble and hardship in their life. And it's not that God prevented them from having suffering. It almost means, it almost sounds like that people who say they're followers of Jesus, that's going to be the catalyst that you are going to experience hardship and trouble and suffering in this world that you alone in your life can't handle. That's what it seems to be saying. Now, the most famous Bible passage that's cited for this particular verse In fact, this past week, when I was having a conversation with somebody about this verse, they said, Pastor, I'll show you the Bible verse. I'll show you the Bible verse. I'm going to show you the Bible verse that people use to substantiate this, and you're going to see it's really not there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 12. Here it goes. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you. Accept what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you tempted beyond what you can bear or when you can handle. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, nowhere in this passage does it say that in your life, because you're a Christian, you're going to have minimal suffering. That's not what it says at all. It's not even close to that. 
What the Apostle Paul is saying to this group of people, be careful about rationalizing and sliding into a life of sinful behavior. Temptations are everywhere. In your notes, number one, this is really what he's saying. The Bible says, God will not let me be tempted beyond what I can handle. And God will provide me a way out. That's what the verse really says. Not, not suffer or more than you can handle. Now, this little letter is written to a people in Corinth. And Corinth was a port city. Port city was famous. Uh, Corinth was famous having people that were arrogant. Uh, they were greedy. They were selfish. Rampant sexual promiscuity. I mean, just off the chain. They called this place Temptation Island. This is where people went who wanted to be tempted. Now, let me tell you a little weird thing about you and me. There's a little weird thing about you and me as human beings that sometimes we like to be tempted. It's kind of fun, it's kind of daring. But please hear this. Temptation will try to get into your soul and sabotage your life and take you down a path where you believe things about yourself that are not true. And it's odd that you and I will play around with our temptations, big and small, and we even drag God into it as if God's in the middle of it somehow to help us. Such as uh, visiting with a pathway peep who was struggling with his physical health. He just had no self-discipline, struggling with getting healthy, and he wanted me to kind of encourage him, give him support. And his nemesis was Krispy Kreme donuts. Anybody else have a problem with Krispy Kreme donuts? Uh, that, was his, that was his temptation. And every time he would go to work, he drove by a Krispy Kreme donut shop. And Pastor said, every time I drive by to work, the neon sign comes on, hot now, hot now, hot now. And so, ah. I just got, I just got. Well, anybody else would agree that Krispy Kreme donuts, they are like donuts on crack or something. I mean, those things are just addicting. If you ever have one, they're just, they're just, they're just so good. In fact, this guy would say they're sacramental. Because you know, we were having online communion and you couldn't come to worship and we we're having communion. You had to get communion elements in your home. So you get your own juice, you get your own bread. He would actually get Krispy Kreme donuts for the bread for communion in his house. He said, Pastor, that made them sacramental, right? <laughs> it's amazing the things that we will do to justify some of these little temptations. And so I said the obvious, right? Here's the obvious. Hey, why don't you change your route to work? He said, well, Pastor, I did that. But I had my quiet time, my prayer time in the morning while I'm driving to the office, and I sensed God tell me, you deserve a Krispy Kreme donut. And so I thought, okay, maybe I do. And here's what I'll do is as I'll drive through, and if there's a space, if there's a space right in the front, that's a sign from God that it's God's will for me to have a Krispy Kreme donut. And he said, Pastor, I, after I drove around that shop seven times, a place opened up right there out front. <laughs> so I just knew I had to have one. <laughs> He's got an app on his phone that sends him notifications when the closest Krispy Kreme donut place saying, hot now, hot now, hot now. See, sometimes we just like playing around with this thing called temptation. When our last grandchild was born, we only have two, but I like to think in 
positive. Our last grandchild was born. Uh, Rada was born. And I'm going to put him up here on the screen because just I want to look at him. This story has nothing to do with Ryder. <laughs> I just want to be shameless as a grandparent showing, here's my grandkid. That's all that's, all that's for. Okay, you can take it off now. Okay, that's it. <laughs> so when, 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 when Ryder was born, uh, he was in the hospital for a long time, uh, born early. And so the parents weren't at home. So one of my jobs was to get to go by the house and help take care of the dogs. One of the dogs is at our house. They have three dogs. Three dogs. They have a three-bedroom house, and they have three dogs. Um, one for each bedroom, for each part of the house. And um, one of them came to our house for a while, but two of them were there at the house. And so I went there, and this is, this is the, the oldest one. This is Baby. This is the dog Baby. Can you put Baby on the screen? Baby, baby is blind. Baby, Baby is old, the oldest dog in the house. Baby can barely see. But here's one thing about Baby I learned, that Baby is eating herself to death. I mean, that dog can't see, but that dog can smell. And that dog eats and eats and eats. And I was so concerned about that. I said, you know, you're... so I got down on my hands and knees with Baby when nobody was there, just, just me and Baby. I said, Baby, you and I need to have a conversation. I said, you are eating yourself to death. I said, if you don't stop this appetite thing, you know, you're just, you're just going to roll over. To... That dog looked at me and didn't care a single word that I said. That dog has no moral character. I love that dog. It's a good, that dog is going to eat itself to death because it thinks it's appetite. If it has appetite, it's just got to be satisfied. If you let it, temptation will make you believe you are nothing but an appetite and you deserve to have it satisfied. And it will unravel your humanity and sabotage your life and everybody around you. But the scripture says God is faithful and he'll provide you a way out. If you're an addict, he'll provide you with a fellowship group that you can come clean with. If you're someone who's suffering and grieving, God will provide you a group of people who will come around you. God will provide for you a way to come clean through the Holy Spirit to convict your heart and go, I know, I know, I know, I know. I need to confess and come clean. The Holy Spirit will have a good friend that will pray you, pray for you, that will encourage you, who will help hold you accountable to the person you want to become. God will provide you a way out. God will give you friends, a small group of people in your life. And this is why having a small group of Christians in your life is so important. Because they see things in you and you come clean and they go, no, no, no. You don't want to go down that path. Run from that path. Come get on this path. God will provide you a way out. But here's the danger. You don't want a way out. You kind of like it. You kind of get used to it. It's kind of just a way of life, right? It's a friend, your temptation is. Maybe it's playing with your money in the gray zone. You know what I talk about when I'm playing, playing with your money in the gray zone? Just a little, just a little low, the ethical line. Maybe it's how you punch in the clock or punch off the clock with you working by the hour. Maybe it's a little habit. 
and you know it's becoming a temptation. You know it's becoming an addiction. You know that. Maybe it's a little flirtation. It's just a little flirtation, right? It's just somebody at the office. It's just somebody on social media, an old friend. You're just kind of, you know, it's, it's nothing serious, but you know, you know the direction it's headed if you don't. You know, maybe it's pursuing sexual relationship outside of your marriage, and you know, but on the inside, you feel this urge, you feel this pull. In church, if you let it, if you don't take the way out, when God provides a way out, sin will come into your life. It is crouching at your door, and it will corrode your soul. It will destroy your moral character. It will sabotage and destroy your life and your entire eternity. But God says, I'm going to provide you a way out. So as your senior pastor... I'm asking you this morning, with love in my heart, some of you, make a decision in that area of your life where the temptation is real, that you're going to take the way out. I'm asking you, before it's too late, for your sake and for your family's sake, God will provide it. The scripture is clear. He says it in his word. And so this whole thing here that we say that God won't give you any more than you can handle, that's really not what this verse says, but this is the verse what most people use. It's really about temptation. That's what it's about. Now that leads us still with the question, but what about, what, what about the thing about God giving you more than you can handle? What about that? There's a different passage I think that can help us resolve this question, will God not give us more? Will God give us more than we can handle? Uh, go over to first, if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and go to chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And it says, verse 3. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Now, there's a little problem with the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle. And that is, that means that God, you think that God is handing out the suffering. God is handing out the pain. God is handing out your trouble. And there are a lot of people who believe that. The Bible is very clear. God hates evil. God hates suffering. And I'm here to tell you, God is not up here sitting up on heaven on God's little throne going, you know what? I'm going to give these people trouble and these people aren't going to have any trouble. I'm going to give this, these kids, parents who are addicted and abusive, I'm going to give this family over here a lot of cancer, a lot of disease. I'm going to give this family over here just nothing but problems and trouble in their life and anger and conflict. God is not sitting up in heaven meeting out your trouble. And yet some people believe that. But Paul gives a clear description of who God is right here in this text. What do you say in verse 3? 
He is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. In your notes, number two, God is not the Father of all evil. He is not the God of all pain. God is the Father of all compassion, right from the Word, and the God of all comfort. And not only that, not only that, God's going to use your pain, God's going to use your trouble to bring comfort to somebody else. He's going to take that which you can't handle. And he's going to use it to help somebody else handle what they can't handle. Now, we're going to do something here this morning. And online, I want you to participate too. If you're in the sanctuary, I want you to do the same thing, please. Down there at True Worth in the Bridge, I'm asking everybody to participate online. You're going to type in and communicate with the community that you have there online. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to name some categories, some categories of suffering and trouble that families and people can experience in their lives. And when I name a category that you could say, whoop, I can relate to that, I want to invite you to stand. In sanctuary, true worth, in your home if you can, or you can, ch- you can chime in right there on the chat right there, community, I'm just going to invite you to stand. And when you stand, I want you to say standing, okay? And here's why we're doing this. The evil wants to use something, a tool, to make people think, I'm the only one. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. So you stand up, not for yourself, but for the people around you, so they know. So here we go. If you have ever suffered deep grief, loss, or loneliness, wherever you are, would you please stand? If you've ever been troubled by addiction, by alcohol, substance abuse, or sex, or gambling, would you please stand? If you've ever known the pain of betrayal, of divorce, of a broken family, if you've ever experienced the death of a spouse or of a child, a loved one so dear to you, if you've ever known the pain of a miscarriage and the ache of wanting to have a kid but not being able to be a parent, If you've ever experienced vocational pain of a failure in your job, of being fired or being laid off or forced to retire before you were ready. If you ever had cancer that wouldn't go away, heart problems that continue to give you issues. If you or someone you love been the victim of emotional or sexual abuse or assault. You ever feel like you failed as a parent. If you've ever experienced any mental health challenge of severe depression, anxiety, or a phobia, would you please stand? If you're in the house, wherever you are, online, notice the chat. Just look around and see the people around. I want you to look around. Look at those folks that are standing. Look around. Seriously, I want you to look around. Sometimes you come here to this place of worship or online or in the sanctuary of true worth, wherever you are. And you look at everybody and you think, you know what, they got their right together. They don't have any problems. They don't know what it's like. I'm the only one. And that is a lie from the pit of hell that the evil one is doing to sabotage you and to get you to clam up and just lose all the joy that God has had for your life. 
you're not alone. You're not the only one. And here's what we're about to do. We're about to do something kind of odd here. And we don't do this very often around here. But I don't want anyone to leave without someone speaking to them today. So I'm about to invite you to take a couple of minutes to turn to somebody behind you, around you, and speak to them. I'm going to give you three things you can say. One is you can say, the peace of Christ be with you. That's kind of an old churchy thing. Or you can say, me too. Or you can say, buddy, you don't know what trouble is till you heard my story. Okay? So you, you just turn to somebody around you. Just got somebody behind you, behind you, just kind of speak there, okay? Give you a couple minutes. Do it. Just speak to somebody. Online, you do it too. Online, connect with each other. Yeah, y'all up track. Y'all got to, y'all can walk down around. Y'all can go talk to somebody. All right, you may be seated. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Now, I want to reiterate why we did this this morning. Because there is an illusion that the evil one will get you to buy into. And when you buy into it, you're in trouble. Let me repeat. If you buy into this lie, you're in trouble. And that is the lie of I'm the only one. Nobody knows how I feel. pit of hell. You're setting yourself up for failure. And it's not true. It's just not true. And this is especially important in the world in which you and I live, in the social media world. Because we love to post things on social media that we can handle. Oh, I'm handling it. Everything's great, right? You know, I started thinking about some of the things you don't see on social media that people post. I just picked up my grandma from jail. Here she is. <laughs> Third time's a charm, I hope. <laughs> you don't see that. Hey, I, ju- I just got fired. Here- here's a security guard escorting me out. Hi, everybody. <laughs> you don't see that. Just the past couple of weeks. When all the high school graduation, you, know, you see everything on Facebook and Instagram, all the high school kids graduated. I didn't see anybody post. Not a single person posted. My son, my daughter did not graduate. They're going to have to repeat their senior year. But I promise you, there were parents who were thinking, and feeling that, and they think they're the only ones, and they're not. There's something strange about this thing the community of faith called the church. So important. It's a mystery. I don't know how it happens, but it does, and it haunts me. This little thing haunts me sometimes because uh, I had somebody start, we had somebody start worshiping here and they say, you know what, Pastor, uh, for the longest time I wanted to come to Pathway, but I drive by, I drive by, I see, especially in the COVID thing, I, I drive by and I see people coming out of the church. They all seem so happy. Everybody seems so like everything was great and wonderful. It's like they were coming out of happy hour or cocktail hour. <laughs> Some of you right now are going, we serve cocktails here? <laughs> we have happy hour in between services? No, just coffee <laughs> and water and every once in a while a Krispy Kreme donut hole or something, okay? Uh, just every once in a while. No, we don't. That's just a saying. And he thought, you know, I can't come there. 
because everybody has their act together. And here's the deal. We are not the fellowship of the victorious. We are the fellowship of the troubled heart who come underneath this cross right here and say, help, help, help. That's who we are. And I'll tell you something that's really strange, really strange about this cross-centered sort of life. This cross-centered life, under the cross, when we live, anyone who lives their life under the cross of Jesus, that when you experience major suffering, you have a major gift to give other people. That when you experience a major hurt or pain, you got a major contribution to make to somebody else. That other people will actually become stronger because of you. Not because you're strong, but because you have a scar. Because you have a limp. Because you have a wound. And they can go, you too? Maybe I can do this. In your notes, the Bible says shared pain creates community that untroubled victory does not. That when we share, there's a strength that comes within us in the body of Christ when we're transparent and open and vulnerable about what is happening in our lives. That doesn't mean that you can manage it, but it does mean that your suffering has meaning, that God can use it to be a blessing to somebody else. Now, I want you to notice this. Bless you. I want you to notice something else here. Look at verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed. That's a phrase Paul uses when he's trying to emphasize something. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles, there it is, that we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the death sentence. Now, let me ask you something. On a scale of 1 to 10... How much trouble, how much problems do you think that, that Paul's having here, he's describing? How much, on a scale of 1 to 10, on a trouble scale, what do you think it is? 10, let's say, let's say 10. 10 is the maximum you could handle, right? Hey, tell me, on a scale of 1 to 10, how's your pain? You'd say a 10. That would be any above 10, I can't handle it. Look what he says. Look right here in verse 8. He says, we were under great pressure... So much that we could endure it? No. Beyond our ability to endure it? No. Far beyond our ability to endure. We couldn't handle it. It was more than we could handle. So much so, in your next part, we were in the despair zone. We were despaired. In fact, we had received the death sentence. It was more than he could handle. Church, let me, the question to ask here in Scripture is not about God, not will God give me any more than I can handle. It's will God give me any more than we can handle together. In your notes, number four, God will not allow me to experience more trouble than what we can handle together. It's not that God's going to give you any more that you can't handle, that God's not going to let you have any more that you and God can't handle together when you are one together especially this thing called death. 
If you try to handle death on your own, and it's coming, death will win. Because you and I can't handle it on our own. Interesting note, you know that science and medicine, they're developing all these kind of therapies. This, this, I, think, I think it's called, I know somebody's going to call me out that I'm pronouncing it wrong, telomerose therapy, therapy and anti-aging therapy. It's a the kind of therapy that's saying they're reversing the aging process and the death process. In fact, there's this one scientist and doctor who has his hedge fund. He's put millions of dollars in his hedge fund about, and this is what he says. Look what I right hear. Put this on the screen, please. Dr. Yun-Yun. He says, thermodynamically, there's to be no reason we can't defer entropy indefinitely. We can end aging forever. Some of you are going, really? Can we all have an agreement right here? We've not done that yet. The death rate is 100%. And if you try to handle death on your own, death will win. But the Apostle Paul says here, kind of the afterthought, he said, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Here are the good news. Any of you who have someone you loved that has died, or you have someone right now who is dying, God raises the dead. And that is the hope, that is the promise that you have, that death is not the end. You can't handle it, but God can handle it. And not only that, when you can't handle it, he comforts you, he comforts you when you're I can't handle it. The scripture says, that's what the Bible says. That's what God does. And he comforts us as we comfort one another. How does God comfort us? He comforts us through prayer. I was visiting with a woman. She might be on here right now. She, I'm not even going to say your name, but you know who you are. I was in her home, and she's stopping all care for her body, and she's about to die. And before I walked out of the room, she said, Pastor, she said, I just don't know how to pray. I want to remind you from last week, this is prayer. No fancy words. Just reach out to him. Here's prayer. Help. One word. Help. I can't handle it. Help. Through this book right here, he comforts us through this book. Church, why do you think it is? I, I, I hammer you. I hammer you about reading this Bible just a few minutes every single day. It's not because when you walk away every single day, you're all of a sudden going to have all the answers. Because when the day comes, when you have trouble, when you have trouble and you can't handle it, all of a sudden, this scripture starts coming to your mouth. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. No weapon forged against me will prosper. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
The Lord is my strong tower. He is my refuge and my strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when those words just start flowing out of your mouth because you know God's word, it gives you comfort and it gives you strength. Through music. How many of you were comforted and strengthened by the music that we sang here in the opening part of worship? Anybody besides me? Those powerful words. Yeah, through music, God brings you comfort and strength. And most of all, through the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus Christ that gives us hope. And did you know that God will comfort you in your tears because your tears will turn to laughter and your laughter will turn to tears. And as you laugh and cry at the same time, you are comforted instead of just being all, I can handle it. And God brings comfort through this thing called the church, this fellowship, the thing called the church. One of my best friends in the whole world, his name is Jeff Ogden. I've known Jeff now for about 30 years. Jeff and I talk on the phone every couple of Every, every, every week, a couple of times a night, uh, we meet for coffee every couple of weeks. Been doing this for a long time. Uh, we talk about grandparenting. We're both grandparents. We talk about being a parent. We talk about our parents because we've both been caring for aging parents. We talk about faith. We talk about the church. We read the Bible together. We pray together. We talk about temptations. We talk about trials. We talk about our future. There's nothing we don't talk about in this relationship. Nothing. Dear friend. He knows me, I know him. He has kept me sane over the course of my time here at Pathway Church as a friend. He's kept me sane. Jeff called me here about five, four weeks ago. I guess it's four weeks ago, 1130 at night. Jeff never calls me at 1130 at night. He knows I'm in bed by 10. He knows everything about me. He said, don't call me after 10. I'm done. I turn the light out at 1001. I'm asleep by 1002. <laughs> so when the phone rings at 1030, I go, I mean, 1130, I'm going, hmm, I answer the phone. He says, my mom's been taken to the ER. She's coded. They brought her back. But I don't think she's going to make it. I'm going to tell you what I didn't say. I didn't say, Jeff, God won't give you any more than you can handle. I didn't say that. We talked. We hoped, we prayed, we worried, we wondered. His mom didn't want to die. She didn't want to suffer. She was making plans for her future. She was living her life to the full. She died. Just a few hours later. At the funeral, Jeff got up to speak about his mom. We got a photo of Jeff with his mom. I think they have that right there. He's little mama's boy. He's the oldest in the family, but he's a mama's boy. And his mom was everything to him. His mom, he stood up before the people that were there, and he said, uh, I'm not okay. This great rock of a faithful man of God said, I'm not okay. And I started looking around the room at the people that, that showed up, and I was so grateful for all the people that were there. His friends, his small group, some people of his church. As I looked around, I noticed there were many who had already lost their parents to death. Many were about to. And not a single one of them ever told Jeff, Jeff, God won't give you more than you can handle. They never said that. But by their presence, they said, me too, me too, 
me too, me too, me too, me too. And when he got to the end, he looked upon everybody that was there that he saw, that he knew his wife, who had already lost her mom and dad both. He said, I'm not okay, but we're going to be okay. Because of our faith in Christ and because of the family of faith who loves us and surrounds us. Church, please, please hear this. I don't know why the answer to why you experience so much hardship and trouble and suffering in your life, but I do know God can give it meaning. An addiction, whatever it is, a dysfunctional family, whatever it is, a cancer, a health issue that won't go away, a mental health issue, a depression, a fear, whatever, I don't know. But my promise to you is this, that if you put it underneath the cross, underneath the cross of Jesus Christ who says, me too, me too, me too, God will redeem it. So here's my ask as we walk out of here this morning. I'm going to ask you to bring whatever pain or suffering that you've been, you're, and you're hurt, and I want you to bring it to the foot of this cross, symbolically in your mind. I want you to lay it at the foot of this cross. I want you to grieve. I want you to languish. I want you to be upset. You can laugh. You can cry. You can pray. You can trust. But you bring whatever trouble you have in your life, and you leave it at the foot of the cross. And the second thing is you let God redeem it. And you be on the lookout this week for somebody that you see that's lonely, somebody you see that's hurting, someone who's going through a hard time. And you just come up to them and you put your hand on their shoulder. And maybe all you say is, me too. Just let them know they're not alone. And that God is with them through you by your presence. Call them. Text them. Don't make your life about you. Let God use you. I want to invite you to stand, if you can, in the sanctuary, True Worth, the bridge. If you're online, if you're at home and you want to, you can. And I'm about to pray as we close this out. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If you see someone, you've met someone online, you want to connect with them. Or in the house, you want to go to someone and put your hand up on their shoulder. I mean, you know, you know. I don't want anybody walking out of here this morning, not a single person walking out of here alone hurting without someone speaking to them, addressing them, just coming up to them. So if you see someone, please stop it. Even in this worship time right now, just move to them and put your hand up on their shoulder, just kind of very subtly. God of comfort, I pray for those who are grieving suffering from a great loss in their life. I pray for those, God, who cannot understand why their lives are so hard and so complicated. I pray for God, for those who have addictions that just hold on to them like the tentacles just wrapped around them. It's like a coiling snake that won't let them. 
I pray for those guys that are just in, in a dysfunctional family. You know, they, they just can't seem to get healthy, and they have the same problems day after day after day. Oh, God of comfort, comfort them. I pray for the silent. I pray for the sick. I pray for those who have been hurt by the church who have walked away from the church because of something said or done. I pray for those who have no home, no shelter under which to lay their head. I pray for those whose financially are just in ruins and they're just struggling, God. Oh, God of comfort, redeem our suffering and use it to help those who can't handle it on their own. Use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.